The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in beautiful Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. I'm taking you through the first hour on this Sunday night, the 20th day of March 2022. Our engineer, Brian Graves, is with us as always, and happy to welcome you aboard tonight. Glad you could be with us. We have a great show lined up for you tonight. First off, we'll get a little introduction to the new Atlantic League team, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. We'll welcome in the team president, Eric Shuffler. Then we will speak to a, a guy who's a stranger to no one around here, the field manager for the new ball club, Edgardo Alfonso. Fonzie will stop by and talk to us. In the second half of the show, we're going to speak to former Major League Baseball umpire Gary Darling. Got a bunch of good questions for Gary coming up later on. So sit back, relax, get comfy, enjoy the show. Always some great people, some great sports talk, and great sports memories up ahead. As always, before we begin, I invite you to follow us on social media. We are out there on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We are on Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter at WGVB. And if you miss a show... Don't worry, because all past shows, they're out there on the website, and you can listen to them whenever you want. So that that's a pretty good deal, folks. So my first guest, I'm honored to introduce a passionate baseball fan, a lifelong Mets devotee. We're going to learn some more about the new Staten Island Ferry Hawks Ball Club from the president himself. It's great to welcome aboard Eric Shuffler. Eric, good evening. Uh, hey, Bill. Super excited to be on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, and thanks for being a voice of sports in the area. Oh, it's, uh, awesome. it, it's my pleasure, Eric. I assure you that. I, now, I want to talk a little bit about your baseball background. Uh, you're a Mets fan. Who was your favorite player throughout uh, your time as a Mets fan? You know, it's just, I grew up in the 80s, so to choose between, you know, Carter, Hernandez, Dwight Gooden. Right. Uh, really tough choices, so... You know, one of those three, and then, you know, I've got two boys, uh, 17 and 14, so watching them grow up with David Wright, uh, definitely him, and, you know, modern day, Peter right. Lonzo, Jacob DeGrom, obviously, but those are my favorites. Some great names to choose from there. I, I, uh, have to admit, I'm a little bit before you, Eric, so uh, Tom <laughs> Seaver is my favorite, and, uh, I think I picked a pretty good one there, and, uh, I, I miss Tom uh, very much, as, as I'm sure all of us do, and uh, very sorry when he passed. Now, I wanted to uh, check with you, Eric. How did the Staten Island Ferry Hawks come to be? Give us a little background. Uh, yeah, it's a great it's a great story. <laughs> okay, uh, I tell my friends it's best done over a a beer and a pizza <laughs> because it's just you know it's life and it's America and it's baseball and and this is something I've wanted to do for 20 years and you know in the midst of the you know the reorganization of the minor leagues by baseball it created opportunities and i think mm-hmm. you know the staten island yankees had been there since you know 20 years had a long history on staten island and decision was made in the reorganization that 
that league that they played in didn't exist. And Major League Baseball made a commitment that any community that lost the team, they'd help make sure another team came in its place. And, you know, out of that really emerged, uh, you know, the Ferry Hawks. And I think from Staten Island's perspective, it's a really amazing opportunity to start fresh in a baseball-crazy city and in a baseball-crazy, sports-crazy borough of Staten Island. Right. Yeah, very good, Eric. Yes, we can understand that. Now, they're going to play in the old uh, Staten Island Yankees ballpark, correct? They are. And, as I, you know, Bill, I'm a huge baseball guy. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think our view and the, the look into the harbor and into, you know, lower Manhattan, I think the only place that has any bragging rights comparable to the view in Staten Island is uh, Pittsburgh. It yeah. is a stunning, stunning view. Uh, the stadium, we're doing a lot of renovations. Admittedly, it's been neglected uh, for the past couple of years. We're putting a lot of love and a lot of care into it. And for, you know, the people of Staten Island and, you know, Brooklyn and Jersey and Manhattan that are going to come out to our games in Queens, uh, they're going to see a very different stadium, a very different experience, starting with uh, the city's putting artificial turf on the field. Oh, which, okay. Uh, will be great with new outfield walls. Just a very new experience. But, yeah, we'll be playing in that stadium right by the ferry. Sounds good. Now, are the guys uh, heading off to spring training? Give us a, a little uh, insight into when opening day is, etc. Yeah, thank you. So, everyone, when I started out on this adventure, people said to me, the easiest part of doing this is the baseball. Finding players is really easy, and that has proven to be uh, really true, because mm-hmm. all the other parts are really hard. So, yeah. Our opening, our first game in Ferry Hawk history is April 21st in Charleston, West Virginia. Our home opener is May 3rd. So that is a big day. Circle on your calendar. It's going to be a pretty amazing show we're going to put on. This week, the Atlantic League hosts tryouts down in Florida. And then we just announced last week for local players, you know, in the area, we're going to be hosting a local tryout April 2nd. Uh, on Staten Island, and people can look at our Instagram site at Ferryhawks to get information on that. But Staten Island, and you know, and New York City has a really proud and strong tradition of amateur and professional baseball, and you know, we really hope to draw from those ranks. And we guarantee that we're going to take one, you know, local player from our tryouts going to make the team. That's great, Eric. I was speaking with Eric Shuffler of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks tonight. Great to get those local guys in, Eric. Definitely. I agree with you 100%. Uh, are there any changes in store for the Atlantic League this, this season like we had last year? Any experiments as such? Uh, great question. I think, and Bill, you know, Atlantic League baseball is the highest level of Independent baseball, it's really at a triple-A level. So, Mm -hmm. you know, these are guys who have been playing professionally for several years. These are not, you know, 19- and 20-year-olds, you know, right out of, uh, you know, Latin America or their first kind of short-term in college. So Major League Baseball uses the Atlantic League to test out rules. Last year, we were the league that got to try out moving the pitching rubber back a foot. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a little controversial, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, that will not be back in the Atlantic League this year. We have two rules that I think from a baseball perspective are kind of noteworthy in the league. The first is you can essentially steal first on any ball that's dropped by the catcher. Uh, can't imagine this is done very often, but you can try it. 
Okay. Uh, the second is, I think, a, a rule that Major League Baseball is looking at a lot more seriously, which is this uh, the double hook, where if your starting pitcher leaves before five innings are up, then you lose the DH. Ah. If he stays for five innings, you can keep your DH in the game, but if he leaves after, you know, if you, if you do the opener and he leaves after three innings, you're basically pitchers hitting for the rest of the game. So, Interesting. you know, that can be a significant disadvantage to a team to lose that for two or three times through the, through the batting order. And I think it's part of, you know, Major League Baseball, you know, everyone's efforts to, you know, shorten the game up a little bit by not having constant reliever turnover in the, you know, the middle innings. And also a way to, you know, kind of keep more offense in the game and, you know, get back to, you know, when Tom Seaver called it, uh, wasn't happy if he didn't go nine innings, you know, probably saying it mildly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's certainly a change to look forward to, Eric. Yeah. We'll be watching for that. Now I, I have to ask you, we're, we're here on Long Island. Uh, the Ferry Hawks are over in Staten Island. How important to the Atlantic League do you think was having that team in Staten Island to to offer the fans a geographical rival uh, to the Ducks? It's a really astute question, and it's really really important for a lot of reasons. Uh, the league really started out the Atlantic League with a heavy Northeast presence, and you know we've lost some of that. Somerset, which was one of the top performing teams, independent teams in the country, is now a Yankee minor league system, so you now had a gap between Long Island and the two teams in Pennsylvania. You know, it makes it hard on travel, and it makes it hard on developing local and fan rivalries. So Mm -hmm. I think getting Staten Island in the league, creating a bridge to some of the teams in Pennsylvania, and it's a natural rival with the Ducks. Uh, You know, the Ducks are one of the best-run and most successful organizations in independent baseball uh, by far. So they're in our sights both as a, you know, aspirationally as a goal and, and on the field. So, so, you know, we're not backing down from anyone on Staten Island, but uh, we're coming for Long Island. And uh, we just announced a, a rivalry battle of the belts last week. So we right. play them, I think it's like 24 times. So it's a crazy amount of times. And you've got Wally Backman in their dugout and Edgardo Alfonso in our dugout. So there's a lot of fun we're going to have. And I think a lot of chances for our fans to get into it and for uh, – you know, our ownership and management to, you know, have fun with it and build up real interest in the league and in the area. Great. That is great, Eric, to have uh, the two former Mets, as you say, in the dugouts uh, playing against one another. And, folks, uh, uh, we're going to call it the Battle of the Belt is what it's being termed. And uh, that, of course, is the large parking lot known as uh, the Belt Parkway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you can't get to Staten Island unless you're on the Belt Parkway, and that's a fact of life. But uh, th- that's neither here nor there. But that was a great marketing uh, term to to call that particular rivalry, Eric, the Battle of the Belt. I like that. Yeah, I uh, can't say it was my credit for it, but there's gonna, fans are going to see a lot of innovative stuff with us in Long Island. Uh, to kind of build up the rivalry and just, you know, it's minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. We understand that our fans are coming out. They expect a high-quality product, you know, but they're coming out because they can take their family, you know, they can take their family, they can have fun and entertainment at a really affordable price, and that's what we're selling. And I think uh, 
people should get really excited about it. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff coming in the next couple weeks. You should have a good fan base, uh, Eric, because the uh, Yankees over there drew well, and they were, of course, natural rivals with the Cyclones. But now yep. that we that we have Long Island versus Staten Island, I think that would be great too. I want to ask you before we we go, uh, we have Eric Shuffler with us, the president of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. Uh, at the end of the season, when everything's done, the last pitch is thrown, the bats and balls are put away. What would you have loved to have accomplished uh, this season, Eric? Well, that is a great question that no one has asked me before. Uh, you know, I want people on Staten Island, Long Island, to feel that it was a team that was part of them. You know, I want to draw 3,000 people. You know, I want the team to make the playoffs. We want to compete seriously. But what I really want to do is I want people on Staten Island to be able to walk around when they see their neighbors or their Little League game and say, hey, did you go to that Ferry Horse game? Like, that was an awesome experience. Like, I wasn't expecting it. Didn't know what to expect when I walked through the gates. But it was great, and we had a good time. It didn't cost me a lot of money, and it was a lot of fun. And baseball is back in a way that is accessible uh, to people on Staten Island and in the neighboring communities. If we can do that, it's a huge success. First year is really hard when you're building something out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I kind of define success. I want people just walking out with a smile on their face and telling their friends that it was a really good time and they're coming back. Good goal. Good goal, Eric. That's for sure. And of course, uh, you can't talk about these two clubs without talking about mascots. Are we going to have a mascot on Staten Island? We are. You know, COVID screws up everything. You know, yeah. and, uh, so we're, we're anxiously awaiting the arrival of our mascot at some point in mid-April. Uh, he will be here. But, you know, our name, the Ferry Hawks, really came from a fan-driven, you know, voting contest and fan input. And it was uh, it was not a name that, you know, I had on any list when we started, but it was one that people of Staten Island really rallied around as representing both the ferry, which is so iconic to Staten Island, and the hawk, which is on Staten Island and is a fierce, you know, predator. Right. So, yeah, we'll have a mascot. Very soon, I like to joke with our friends at the docks, and I'm quite confident that our ferry hawk can shred a duck in <laughs> very little time. So uh, you know, hopefully our players on the field will match it. But yeah, That is great, Eric. Coming. Yeah, so we have that look, look forward to. You have a lot in store for the fans on Staten Island. Eric, It's it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I thank you for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend it with us out here on Long Island. Uh <laughs> And, and we'll check in with you during the course of the season. Uh, I would welcome the chance. And, you know, when we're on the LIE going back and forth, you know, we'll, uh, we're happy to, to say hi and meet up at a game in person or something. Sounds good, Eric. We'll, we'll talk to you down the line. That's Eric okay. Shuffler, folks, president of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back with the skipper of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, Edgardo Alfonso. We'll speak with him right after this, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. 
Country Foot Care, official podiatrists of the New York Lizards, have been delivering state-of-the-art foot care with good old-fashioned caring to Long Island residents for over 30 years. Specialists in sports medicine and foot injuries, Country Foot Care can be reached at 516-741-FEET or online at countryfootcare.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gusbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your GusBuster today. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Sports Talk New York here on WGBB, Long Island's oldest radio station, in case you didn't know that. We're located in beautiful downtown Merrick, Long Island. We're going to keep the sports memories and sports talk rolling along right now with our next guest. He is most notably uh, a member of the New York Mets, with whom he played in, uh, some of us will remember, the 2000 World Series. Selected as a member of the National League All-Star team, and he has been named the new field manager of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. And it's great to welcome to the show tonight, Edgardo Alfonso. Edgardo, good evening. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're good doing evening. great. It's great to have you aboard. We just spoke to Eric Shuffler, uh, who gave us a little background on the team. And uh, give, give us your insight, Fonzie. How did you get involved with the Ferry Hawks? Wow, wow, we, uh, we, we talking about a long, long time ago. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm a great friend with, uh, with, uh, the GM, um, uh, Gary Perron. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just, uh, worked together with, uh, he worked, first he worked with my brother first. Okay. Uh, on, uh, with the Cyclones and, 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 and there in, in Staten, Staten Island and right there in Coney Island. Mm-hmm. Right. And then uh, you know we get we get along pretty good, and uh, he had the opportunity to uh, to tell me about about the new um, the new team is going to come up in, in Staten Island. So uh, he uh, he going to make sure then I got I got involved in that because he liked the way I works. Well, you know, blah blah blah. And then this how it started. We started with the first the first thing he uh, he mentioned to me. He say, um, you know, he would like me to to work with him. So. So you know, uh, like I say, great friend, great, great uh, family guy, and I say yes, let's do it. Why not? Perfect. Yes, sounds good, Edgardo. Now, who influenced your managing style? Uh, anyone along the way in your your journey in baseball? Who influenced uh, the way you manage? And any of the guys in the past that pop up? I think I think you just you just get your your, your own thing, but okay. you you always you always keep or you try to get some from from your previous manager. Um, I would say you know I got I got I got uh, Bobby Valentine, one of the best I ever played for. Uh, you got um, Felipe Alou, you got um, uh, guys in winter ball. So you get you gotta you get a little piece of every every one and try to put it together and and create your own your own way to style to manage it. Also. 
uh, Tongan boy was my uh, my help. He was a tremendous guy uh, mm-hmm. who uh, who introduced me to um, to um, to a manager uh, kind of uh, philosophy. And then uh, I get a, I get a, I get for everyone a little bit of piece and I put it together and I try to get my own my own manager st- style. So understood. You know, yeah. Great answer, Edgardo. Mm-hmm. Edgardo Alfonso is with us tonight, the new skipper of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. Now, what will you look for when you, you guys start drafting players? Uh, you, you have a mix now. You don't have the 17, 18-year-old kids like you did in Brooklyn. You you will mm-hmm. have guys that, that already been to the show and yeah. looking to get back. What, what do you, we look for in a player to draft, Edgardo? Um, I will say, I mean, I, I like the combinations of speed, uh, with, 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 uh, power and stuff like that, but I think mm-hmm. the most important, uh, for the city of Staten Island, or for me personally, is that, is that how the guy are in the clubhouse, how the guy, uh, attitude. Because the talent is there, they, they're gonna have a great talent, uh, because, uh, like you say, they're gonna, they're trying to get back to, uh, organized baseball. And, and they, they, they have to, they have to realize then, hey, we have to play the way it is, but we have to also be in a great, uh, uh, you know, great, uh, town, a great, great family guy or great, uh, um, a clubhouse guy. You know why? Because, because I know if he's gonna go to organized baseball, they're gonna call me up and ask me about his attitude and all stuff like that. So I would like to, I would like to help much as I can with the guys. But I looking for I looking for uh, like you know the talent with the talent um, they, they committed with uh, with uh, with the Fairhawks uh, you know try to be like um, like uh, a community guy who can you know we can use it once in a while and you know give it to the community and stuff like that and also a big brain in the field in, in the field and off the field you know and like you say they're not 17 20. Uh, 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 20 years old. They, they guy with, uh, better than guy who play in the big league, playing AAA. They've been, you know, they know what to do. So it's going to be more easy, uh, to guide them and, and, and let them play and, and let, let them do the job. Understood. Yeah. Great answer, Edgardo. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as your coaching staff goes, uh, will there be anybody we know, uh, on your coaching staff? Yeah. We, uh, we just, uh, we just got, um, Nelson Figueroa. Figue. Ah, uh, yeah. Well known as a as a great pitcher, great person, great uh, baseball guy. Who he's um, he's a uh, you know New Yorker. He knows a lot about pitching. He was one of the greatest uh, you know pitching around. Uh, and then uh, I think it's going to be great, great help for uh, for the pitchers uh, staff. And uh, great, great for the community. Um, you know, we just we just signed him, and also uh, Luis Rodriguez, who's uh, who's who knows for now. He was manager with um, uh, Bluefish, um, uh, Bridgeport. Uh, Bridgeport. Right. Bridgeport. Yeah. Um, so he's a good friend of mine too. He knows a lot about baseball. So I think it's going to be great, great, uh, great guys around. So that's what we need. I think we're going to give you the guy opportunity to be some butts to try to get back to the to, to organize baseball. And then you know when you have great, uh, great group of coach who knows baseball, who knows. Uh, how they're going with the guys, get it along pretty good. I think it's easy, you know. Right. That's for sure, Edgardo. Now, any changes uh, to the rules this year in the Atlantic League that we could look forward to? I don't know. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm looking for myself. Yeah. What, the, what it's going to be, how they're going to look like, how it's going to work. 
because every year something different. So, like I say, uh, I'm gonna be open to it, and I'm gonna uh, see what uh, how do we get it, how do we deal with this. And then I think it's gonna be really interesting. So, with the more the more I get, uh, the more I, I I try to find, I try to you know make an adjustment. So, um, it's gonna be interesting. So I gotta I gotta I gotta get out with my uh, my staff, uh, get together with my staff, as GM GM, and try to talk about. How are we gonna deal with this rule? How do how are we gonna approach this rule? Because we're not gonna change. It, it is it is what it is. So we gotta get used to it. And uh, how are we gonna you know how are we gonna go go by that? So I I spoke to Eric about this, Edgardo. You have uh, a natural rivalry now geographically with the Ducks out on Long Island, uh, managed by Wally Backman. I think you guys are gonna uh, play some tough ball games. What do you think? You're going against Wally out there. I think it's, I think you know Atlantic League is a tough league. It's a tough league. Um, I would say not only with the Ducks, I think with the, everybody else, uh, we have to thinking about uh, you know everybody else. But uh, definitely, I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be a, a great a great competition, a great um, you know game, couple a couple series with uh, with the Long Island Ducks because you know it's New York. Uh, uh, New York fans, they they deserve it to see something different, and and uh, and you know like I said, I play there. I play in Lion and Ducks. I know it's a great organization. They have great fans there. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be great. Hopefully, uh, you know, we, uh, we get a great, um, great spectacular for the, for the fans. And, uh, the competition is not, it's not easy. Uh, Wally, I know Wally. Wally is a great guy. Um, I know Path and all those guys over there. Um, and they always, they always compete. So we're going to, we're going to have, uh, uh, you know, chance to, uh, you know, build a team, to try to put everything together and, and go from there and try to, uh, you know, try to do our best, uh, our best that we can. And, and, um, I know it's, it's, it's going to be a great competition. So let's see what happens. It's going to be great, Edgardo. Like you said, definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, what have you got in, in the coming days coming up? You going to spring training? You're going to uh, look at ball players. What do you have up ahead? Um, well, this, uh, these two days, uh, this, this week, we're gonna have, uh, uh, a tryout down here in Florida. Okay. Um, so, uh, I think every team had the opportunity to, to watch players, um, you know, to, to see what they need and try to pick whatever, whatever they need. And after that, I think in April, we're gonna do a few tryouts in, in Staten Island and give you the opportunity for, uh, for the home, home, uh, home guys. Uh, Staten, Staten Island people to, you know, to, um, to participate and see what they have and, and, and see if they can help us. Whatever we can find to help us to be better, I think we're going to do it. So I think so far we have a pretty good uh, group of players, pitchers and, uh, infielders, outfielders, a group of guys. I think we just need a little more and, and, uh, let's see what, what happens. So I think, like I say, I'm looking forward to see, um, uh, pitching wise, uh, you know, uh, people who, who committed, uh, to our, our philosophy and, and, and what we're looking for. And, and hopefully with the front office and, and myself, we can put something, you know, better than, than we have right now. Right. I'm sure the fans in Staten Island are looking forward to getting baseball back. One quick question before we go, Edgardo. One pitcher who gave you fits. Who would you who would you pick? One guy you don't want to face when you when you see him his name pop up. You say I want to go back to bed. Who 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 would you pick? <laughs> well, you're talking about everyone in the big one because this this is this is everyone you respect and they 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 are they are there and and they perform the you know they're good. But I was I would ask you a question. Yes, um, I will say one guy. 
uh, I think Mariano Rivera. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> the, the guy nobody wants to see him. You know, I think Mariano is the guy who uh, nobody wants to see it. Um, you know, um, if he can get a pinch hitter for me is, is, at this time, it's good. <laughs> yeah, the thing about him, Edgardo, is you knew what he was going to throw, you knew what was coming, and you still couldn't hit it, right? Hello, that was Mariano. Yeah. <laughs> that was Mariano. Yeah, he's one of the greatest ever, and, uh, you know, he's a guy who knows. Uh, the game, and you know as a hitter, you're going to throw it, and you promise to be on time, try to get, uh, you know, that cutter, and, you know, pop off, that's it, or struck out, that's it. That's it. Well, <laughs> Edgardo Alfonso, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking time out of your Sunday night to be with us here on Long Island. Again, folks, stop by over the Staten Island. See the Ferry Hawks with Edgardo Alfonso out at the ballpark this summer, or check the guys out when they're here playing the Ducks. It's going to be a great rivalry. Edgardo, thanks yeah. once again. Yeah, it's going to be a great guys, and I think it's going to be uh, awesome for the people in New York, um, you know, who who can come and watch, uh, you know, players who 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 really put names in, in big leagues and AAA and Double A. And guy who can, who wants to be back to on the, to organize baseball, so they're gonna be uh, gonna be there. I play there; it was a great experience for me. I think it's gonna be a great experience for many many people. And hopefully, we get uh, you know we get a pretty good team and, and great uh, opportunity to to show the people then baseball is back to Staten Island. So that's for sure. For, uh, well, we look forward. We'll talk to you during the season, Edgardo. Thanks again for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. That's Edgardo Alfonso, folks. We will be right back with Sports Talk New York. We're going to talk to former Major League Baseball umpire Gary Darling. He's going to stop by, so stay with us, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, folks, welcome back. Welcome back to Sports Talk New York here on Long Island's oldest radio station, WGBB. We're here in Merrick, Long Island, New York. I tell you, it was great to watch the Mets today on TV uh, live from Port St. Lucie. No pre-recorded stuff. This was live Major League Baseball. Um, just wondering with you folks, how long, if you do have a bad taste in your mouth from the lockout, how long is that going to last, and will you go right out to the ballpark? We'll, we'll have to uh, join that discussion another night as we move forward. My next guest, after being beginning his career in the National League, from 1986 to 1999, he worked throughout both major leagues from 2002 until he retired recently in 2014. We're going to talk about his on-field career as well as Ump's care. 
the Major League Baseball Professional Umpires Charity. Uh, he currently serves as the charity's president. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show tonight, Gary Darling. Gary, good evening. Good evening, Bill. How are you doing tonight? We're doing fine. We're doing fine, Gary. And as I said, it was great to watch uh, a spring training game today, even even with number 96 and number 86 and uh, all, all, all the high numbers in there, you know, <laughs> for no, the, I the rookies. That's, that's, that's typical early spring training. Right. There, for sure. Now, I, w I wanted to ask you, Gary, I saw that you visited Cooperstown recently. Uh, I go up every summer for the inductions and try to visit maybe once or twice more a year. What were your impressions of the Hall of Fame? Oh, it was uh, definitely a special, special place. I mean, I'd you know, been a baseball fan my whole life pretty much, and uh, to finally get to the, the Hall of Fame was just, yeah, it was beautiful. It was they, they couldn't have been better hosts for us, my wife and I. Uh, uh, the town was beautiful. Dinner was great. Um, so that was the, the hall itself is just everything you could think of. Yeah, it's a great Very place. Nice. You're right on that aspect, Gary, that's for sure. Now, I believe you grew up in Northern California. Did you have any favorite players or, or were you just tuned in on the umpires? Or like, I, I don't know if you've seen that kid. You see, uh, he dresses up like an umpire and he, he calls the game from the stands. Have you seen that kid? Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're friends of the charity. They've, uh, <laughs> really? They've yeah. Some of them, they've, uh, they've befriended some of the minor league umpires and they've been out to our golf tournament and yeah, they're, they're a very, very nice family. Yeah, what a great job that little boy does, I'll tell you. Yeah. So who were your favorites, Gary? I grew up, uh, I was born in San Francisco, grew up in Sacramento, so I, I grew up a San Francisco Giants fan. So, right. Uh, you got to be Willie Mays. I think he's, you know, you could argue not the greatest of all time, but in my opinion, all time, he's right there at the top of the list for sure. That's for sure, Gary. Yeah, you're right. You picked a good one there. We're speaking yeah. with Gary Darling tonight on the program. Now, how did you get into umpiring, Gary? I played through uh, junior college in Sacramento, and uh, one of the courses I took was a sports officiating course, and we got to officiate, you know, volleyball and football a little bit, and basketball and baseball was one of them, and I, I hadn't really even thought about it being, you know, making it a career or anything, but kind of got the bug a little bit just doing a little bit in those classes. Um, and growing up, you know, we'd, you know, have our own baseball games at the park and play pickle and runner and pick off. And if we ever had an extra guy, one of us would kind of officiate the play, which was always, I, you know, enjoyed that a little bit, but I never even considered making it a, any kind of career. But then after my playing days were done at, at Kasumas River College there in Sacramento, the only people who were going to draft me was the Army. So <laughs> I had to, uh, come up with another way to stay around the game and, Got to umpire, you know, started umpiring around Sacramento, and the assigners were nice and gave me games. And uh, uh, pretty much right away, I decided I wanted to go to umpire school. I didn't know what that would entail and what that path would be, but uh, went to umpire school uh, in 1980 in Southern California out in San Bernardino. Bill Kinneman was an American League umpire that ran the school at the time, and uh just worked my way from there through the through the minor league to the big leagues. Great story, Gary. Yeah, for sure. Now, 
people think they may think that umpires really don't have to be in such great shape to umpire a ball game. But uh, when you think about it, folks, who are the only guys that are on their feet for nine innings? It's not the ball players, the umpires. Now that must be tough, Gary, uh, disciplining yourself to to stand on your feet for nine innings. It used to not be as bad, but when I first started, nine innings is only you know two hours and forty five minutes or so. Now it's three oh, and a half hours. Yeah. Oh man. That's a whole other story. But yeah, I mean it's it's just part of the job. You gotta. It's like any like any officiating. There's not always a play you have to be concentrating on, but when the when the when the light goes on and the ball's pitched, you you got to be paying attention. You can't worry about your sore feet. Nobody cares about your sore feet. They right. care about whether you get the pitch right or the check swing right or the skill play right. It's all anybody cares about. So that's just this is part of the job. Got I think it's even worse now as far as the standing around part because the games are so much. Uh, Painfully longer. long. Yeah, that's true, Gary. Now, let's talk about some of the great moments in, in your career that, that you were involved in. Give us some examples, Gary. Um, well, my first year in the big leagues, I got to do the Mets a few times. I mean, I know you guys are Long Island. That was kind of cool having, uh, the, looking back a little bit, having the, you know, the world champion New York Mets from 86 that I worked a few times that year. Uh-huh. Um, but then... Uh, you know, 98 with the uh, home run derby with McGuire and Sosa, the crew I was on with crew chief with Steve Ripley and Larry Poncino and Mike Winters and I, we were in uh, St. Louis for that Labor Day weekend series with the Cubs and Cardinals. So uh, I had home when uh, McGuire tied the record at 61, I had the plate. And then the next day, the crew chief Steve Ripley had the plate for number 62. Which ended up not being the record, but at the time it was, you know, it was a big deal. I mean, it was sure World Series atmosphere on the field. All you know, the commissioner, the league president, all the dignitaries were there. The umpire room was packed with uh, MLB people before and after the game. And but you know that that always that was one of the big ones for sure. And then you know, fortunately with the labor dispute in '99, myself and 21 other guys lost their jobs. We're out of the game for a couple of years, lucky enough to get it back, and then got my job back in ninety in two thousand and two, and then had the World Series in two thousand and three. So it, that was that was pretty cool. Thinking I was out of the game for forever, really. At some point, I didn't think I was going to get my job back, and then get get my job back, and then two years, you know, in the next year, I get the World Series. So pretty good. That was that was very fulfilling there. Now, you spoke about uh, that weekend in St. Louis, Gary, uh, between Sosa and uh, McGuire. And uh, you, you may look back on it. People, uh, in hindsight, uh, historians, whatever, w- would uh, give you problems about calling that a great moment. But at the time, at that moment, that was a huge time in baseball when, when McGuire and Sosa was, were going at it like that. Oh, big time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. You know, baseball, you know, they, they didn't have the penalties on the steroids and mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily illegal in baseball. So, I mean, that, you know, that home run derby, you know, brought the fans back to a degree. And, you know, I mean, that kind of got it turned the corner after their previous labor dispute back in 94, 95. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can, you can, you know, 
you could tell that those guys were juicing, but shit, most everybody was juicing at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't just McGuire and Sosa, that's for sure. Yeah, no, the problem ran deeper than that, Gary, you're right. We're speaking with no former doubt. Major League Baseball umpire Gary Darling tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now, some of the changes in the game that they're looking at, Gary, uh, the the bigger bases, which I think is ridiculous, uh, the pitch clock, which may help things, the, the robo-umps, what do you think of that idea? You know what, they're, they're, they're trying to figure out a way to make it work. In my opinion, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not behind the scenes looking at all the data and all that, but, you know, I think that's balls and strikes is part of the game. I mean, it's not an exact science. They want to make it an exact science, and it's just not. There's not one part of the pitch that makes it a ball or a strike. It's the whole path of the pitch that makes it a ball or a strike. You know, they keep, they've had to raise the bottom of the strike zone. If you've noticed how they, you know, the, the bottom of the strike zone has been raised inch by inch by inch over the last, five, six, seven years, because they're trying to figure out a way for that 12 to 6 curveball that might catch that front knee, but bounces on the plate. Mm -hmm. now, technically, that's a strike, but not, not by the way any of us have ever played or umpired or been around baseball. So, you know, whether it, it, it'll, you know, they're trying to do AAA this year a little bit. They've worked their way up the ladder. I don't know uh, if it'll officially stick ever but i don't think it's overall good for baseball just in my opinion just any of the guys now they do they're so they're so precise with their strikes anyway there's going to be pitches missed i mean it doesn't help when the you know the catcher's sitting way inside and now they you know trying to bust the hitter in now they throw the ball you know the pitcher misses his spot by a foot and a half and paints the outside corner when you know now now they want the machine to call that a strike take the human element out of it i don't know it's just i don't think the fans will like it but we'll see what happens in the next few years right yeah as, as a purist gary i i don't like the idea at all i agree with you 100 percent yeah now now it's, gary how important is it for umpires to have short memories what, what i'm speaking about is yeah, you, you meet a guy who tries to show you up earlier in the season you you come up against him again Oh, it's human nature to want to, you know, strike back at these people, but you can't do that. Not, no, you can't do that. No, yeah. You got to stay above the fray, if you will, and yeah. you know, just each play, each play, each pitch, each situation, it's its own entity. I mean, if a guy consistently being a pain in the shorts, you know, you, you just don't, they might, you might have a little shorter lease with some of those guys, but as far as, you know, calling him out on a steel play because he argued a steel play before. I mean, you just can't do that. you got to be above that fray for sure. Yeah, great. I, I agree with you there, You don't Gary. forget. I'm not saying you forget, but you can't uh, You can't always act on it. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, what what will get a guy run, Gary? What, what can somebody say that you're going you're gonna to tell this guy to, to take off? Um, usually it's when they get personal, you know, you can say, you know, that's a BS call. Right. You can't say you're BS or you're, you know, whatever square words you want to throw in there. Yeah. You, you can't make it personal. They can't make it personal. Or if they're arguing too long and you told them, okay, I heard your argument. You said enough and now they want to keep going. Well, they, you know, most big league players and managers know they're not generally surprised when they get thrown out of a game. They, they know what they, 
can and can't do, what they can and can't say, what they, what demonstrative arm actions or, you know, a manager comes out and takes his hat off. He might not say a word and he comes out and throws it at your feet when he knows he's going to be ejected. So anything that really kind of shows you up personally, uh, verbally or in demonstration wise will generally get you ejected. Well, I, I've seen, uh, on, especially lately, the MLB channel before baseball came back was showing uh, a lot of the documentaries that they did. And uh, Billy Martin got away with, well, I don't think he got away with it. I think he got run eventually. But he used to uh, give some performances out there along with the Earl of Baltimore. Just, uh, you know, we missed that sort of, with the uh, replay system, you don't have uh, a chance for a guy like Bobby Cox to act out his frustrations, and I think we missed that in baseball. I I don't disagree. I think that's some of the problem, you know, MLB and the higher-ups are having the only real controversy is now is on, you know, really balls and strikes. They're, they're, they're not arguing that play first base anymore. They're not arguing the steal play. Because replays is going to take a look at it and fix it if it needs to be fixed. But yeah, the balls and strikes up. I don't know what the numbers show, but uh, got to be nine out of ten ejections are over balls and strikes now. So yeah, um, you know, if, if they go to the uh, robo umpire, the computer calling the pitches, that'll go away too. And I don't, I don't think everybody in baseball necessarily wants that. No. Okay. Like I said, like I said earlier, Bill. The, the, today's umpires, they're, they're, they're so good, especially the, especially the young kids coming up. I mean, they, they've been to the fall league out in Arizona. They've been through some of the minor leagues that had the machine calling. That's all they know. They, they just, they, they, they just know the machine that, that, that rates the umpires and how to call balls and strikes in relation to that. They're, they just, you know, they don't miss much. I mean, they're, sure there's pitches missed, but I think the, the average, the average ball strike Percentages in the mid high 90s now for the guys staff wise. That's I mean the average is that high. Yeah, so not too I bad. Don't I don't, I don't, yeah, not too bad at all for something that's not an exact science by any stretch. The catchers are trying to yank pitches all over the place. Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to make good pitches look better, which is there's no reason for that. Back you know back in the day when I broke into the minor leagues, you know if the catcher tried to what they call frame a pitch by, you know, pulling it back to the strike zone. If they move their glove, you basically, it was a ball. I mean, that, that told you that <laughs> it wasn't a strike. They, they, they tried to make it a strike. Now the guys can't umpire that way. They, they still have to just try and call what pitch they see and forget what the catcher does with it. Right. We're speaking to former MLB ump Gary Darling tonight on the program. Now I have to ask this question, Gary. It popped into my head. Uh, I, I've thought about it for a great many years, and I need to know, are there groupies for umpires? <laughs> I, I could just, to give you an example, I could see uh, the woman waiting on uh, Cowboy Joe West to come out of the umpire's room, and I could imagine what she looks like, and, you know, <laughs> the, are, are there women that target you guys? That's not fair to Joe or the lady. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, there's, there's umpire fans. There's, you know, there's people that, yeah, they, there was a, there was a couple ladies that, uh, in, in, in Anaheim that would, you know, they'd wait out, they'd be, they'd be there before the game when you got there to give you a little, 
lemon bar or something, and they would be there after the game to make sure that uh, just to say thank you and maybe sign a, a baseball card or a postcard or something. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's fans out there for umpires. It's not just our family and friends. <laughs> yeah, that's a, the, the, I, I needed to know. And like you said, I, I apologize to Joe West if he's out there for for uh, for defaming the uh, the quality of woman waiting for Cowboy Joe West. I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> he's a, he, you know, Joe. Everybody likes to pick on Joe, but I tell you what, you don't work that long in the big leagues and have that many uh, World Series and playoffs and all that with. Being a being a bad umpire, Joe West is one of the will go down as one of the best that ever that ever strapped it on. Yeah, possibly sure. Hall of Famer, I would think, Gary. That's for sure. I would think there's uh, we need to get a few more guys in there, but he's yeah. If he doesn't make it, I don't know who else will that's working now or work. You know the you know mm-hmm. the Bruce Fremings and the Harry Wendelstedts and uh, you know there's. You can go on and on, the Don Denkingers, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I wanted to ask you that, Gary. Uh, being that you visited the Hall of Fame, we know that you could basically count on two hands the amount of umpires that are in the Hall of Fame. Jack O'Conlon, Bill Clem, uh, Bill McGowan, uh, Al Barlick, who, who was, uh, I was, uh, lucky enough to see when I was a kid. Uh, why do you think that, that they're, they're so stingy on letting uh, umpires into the Hall of Fame? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I mean, not, not everybody that works 3,000 games or 4,000 games, you know, can make it in there. There's no there's no real stats on umpires that, I mean, uh, and the guys in there are all outstanding umpires. Yeah, and, and, and I know there's some other guys that are well-deserved to be in there, too. I don't know. It's just, I mean... They don't get voted on very often, and when they do, it's you know, they you know, the guys that are voting on them are some are mostly, and in, in, in those cases, I believe, are older retired players, and maybe you know, maybe they're holding a grudge against some of the guys. Right? You know? Yeah. No, I agree with you, Gary. Yeah. No, that that's perfectly uh, understandable. Now, yeah, now there's, there's guys that. There's, def- there's definitely some other guys that deserve to be in there. There's no doubt about it. Right, that. and we mentioned some of their names, definitely. Uh, Bruce, Harry, uh, those guys deserve consideration. That That's exactly true. Now, yeah. uh, looking at the life of an umpire, Gary, now, do you always travel with the same crew? In theory, yes. They make, you know, you have your schedule at the beginning of the year, and there's four guys on the crew, but anymore, I mean, they're guys are juggling all over the place somebody gets hurt and now they'll pull a guy off of one crew to go go work to be a crew chief on another crew or to fill in to be the number two guy on another crew but in theory yeah you get you get your schedule and the four guys you you head off you start and whatever you start with the Mets and then you go across and work the Yankees and up to Boston and to Toronto and then down to Chicago and you know it just kind of Hopscotch around the country, but it doesn't always work that way anymore. They definitely very rare if you work even half the games with your whole crew intact for the whole year. Interesting. It's very rare that happens anymore. So then you would know, Gary, where where you're going to be Fourth of July weekend. You you you're able to see that 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 part of your schedule. Yeah, they. For when I first broke in, you you got your schedule like I think only like six weeks in, a, in advance or six weeks at a time, and then kind of when MLB took over in the 2000s, 
the guys would get the first five months of the season, and, and then they would kind of pick and choose who they wanted in certain series in September. But I believe now they get, they get their schedule for the whole year in advance. You know, they MLB and the schedule makers make 17, 18 schedules, and they and the the crews pick them by the seniority of the crew chief. So the most senior senior crew chief would get his first pick of all the schedules, not. That's not certain games, but they make the whole schedule. And you, you okay, okay, I want schedule A or you want schedule D or whatever, whatever fits the dynamics of the crew the best, whether it's keeping the crew chief close to his home or, you know, trying to, when I was crew chief and picking, I was, I'd, I'd try and pick the, a schedule that would work well for the whole crew. Get, get everybody, if you got a guy living in Pittsburgh, try and get him home, you know, at least once for the series. But, Right, it's uh, that whole thing's changed now. Sometimes you, you you don't even see some teams all year the way the schedules work now. You, if you your schedule might show that you never even see the the Blue Jays or you never see the Padres. Back before you, you always saw every team you know a few times, but that's not the case anymore. Okay, interesting. Now, uh. We know who, who the pain in the butts are, Gary, out there. I, we can imagine, uh, who, who they are. Uh, give us, if you can, a guy who, an exemplary guy, like who would win the Lady Bing trophy in hockey, a guy who shows character, doesn't complain, uh, a genuinely nice guy. Who do you, who comes to mind? Um, you know, I was like, a guy like Craig Biggio. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he didn't always agree, but he was never, a dickhead about it, you know. He, yeah. You know, he understood the job, and um, you know there was, uh, there, you know, Matt Williams was always pretty fair with the umpires. Um, everybody's going to disagree sometime, but you know, for the most part, there's, you know, there's a few guys that no matter what you do, they're not going to agree with. But you know, guys like Biggio Bagwell, um, you know, uh, Buster Posey was always pretty fair with the umpires. Um, yeah, there, there's some, there's some guys, there's some, there's some good people in baseball for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great answer, Gary. Now, I want to ask you about Umps Care. Uh, looks like a a tremendous organization. Give us a little insight into that. Well, we started back in 2006 formally, but you know, it's just uh, really umpires giving back to communities across the country, across Major League Baseball, even into the minor leagues. We have. Numerous different programs. We, uh, we have a blue crew ticket program where we have, you know, disadvantaged kids, you know, different programs. Um, out to the ballpark, we have, uh, we do our, um, our blue for kids hospital visits where we go to different hospitals around the country, around the major league baseball and deliver builder bears and let the kids, uh, you know, pick out the bear in an outfit. Uh, we have a all-star scholarship program where Again, we give out, we award a new one every year. I think this year we're going to go for, we're giving out two scholarships this year, but we follow them all four years of college. So they get 10000 a year for all four years of their college. Nice. And that's, that's kind of life, that's life changing. That's not, here's $1,000 and go buy a few books. I mean, we have a mentorship program with our recipients and, you know, try and help them weed their way, through, you know, through, through the, the four years of school and, and, 
you know, we're proud of that program very much. So we also have a, uh, we have a new leadership program where we, um, at different sites around baseball, usually in conjunction with some of the MLB facilities like in LA, the inner city RBI program, but we're giving them some leadership skills, but also introducing them to umpiring and officiating. Uh, we've, we've done some in conjunction with the NHL and NBA, so they've got the, um, you know, basic umpire skills, basic officiating skills, and because that, I mean, that's a serious problem around the country in all sports, not just in, not just in baseball, in all sports, there's just a shortage of officials. So, I'm scared. We're, you know, trying to do our part and, you know, try and get more and more kids, uh, into, to love officiating and, we know not every one of them, you know, will make it to the big leagues or, but if we can get a couple of them to be, you know, high school umpires and see whatever it takes them. So, yeah, we've, we've got numerous programs and, uh, I think we're, we're doing some good things around the country. Wonderful. Wonderful, Gary. Gary Darling with us tonight. Uh, give us a website, Gary, for Umps Care. So folks interested in, uh, donating to a really worthwhile cause, uh, where they could go. Yes, it's umpscare.com. Umpscare.com. All right. Note that, folks. Very worthy organization. Yeah, there's a donate button right there, but you can read about the programs. You can read about all the good we're doing. I mean, we've given out over $300,000 in scholarships since we started that program. Uh, We've, you know, last year we did, uh, we, over a thousand bears we gave away. And we, you know, so we're up into the tens of thousands of bears that we've given away at the hospitals around the country nice. and we're expanding into the minor leagues too we we got we haven't been able to do it the last few years just with covid and everything but hopefully this year we get a little more back on track and get into the hospitals and you know put a smile on a kid's face or as importantly put a smile on the parents face nice. going through a tough time with their kids being in the hospital and, and uh you know if a kid they don't really know what they're going through in a lot of cases but well you can still you can see some of the parents almost cheering up when they come in the room with the bears and, nice. and they see that their kids having a little bit better day for that, that particular moment. Sounds good, Gary. Well, I thank you for stopping by, talking to us out here in New York. Uh, all the best, Gary, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate you having me on. All the best. That's Gary Darling, folks. Well, that'll do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to thank my guests, Eric Shuffler, Edgardo Alfonso, and Gary Darling. My engineer, Brian Graves, and, of course, you guys for joining us. See you next on April 10th. Get a few weeks off here. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue wishing you a good evening, folks. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. This is WGBB AM 1240 and W240 DFFM 95.9 Freeport, New York.